When we're young, we move with freedom and confidence, with a great resilience to injury. Somewhere along the line, we develop poor habits and become more vulnerable to back pain. Smart Strong features evidence-based and practical advice to help you take back control of your health and get back to the activities you love. This is your guide to better health through movement. So join us as we demystify some of the commonly held beliefs about back pain and build your confidence to a stronger back, the smart pain. Welcome back to the Smart Strong Podcast, everybody, with me, Ben James, and my co-friend, my co-host, should I say, and good friend, Jacob Stain. Good evening, Jacob. Good evening, Ben. So today is the first of, of another episode or three episodes of podcasts that we want to focus on different therapies and what are the differences between chiropractic and osteopathy. That's a common question that we often get asked. We want to also talk about what's missing from traditional management um, in terms of back management, back pain, and then also what about spinal surgery? Because a lot of patients that we've seen over the years will catastrophize and believe that they've got to have some kind of intervention to help them with their back pain and solve that problem. And actually, this is where we want to delve a little bit into the active approach and the commitment people have to take for their own health. And I guess in terms of this episode, our focus is very much on the different therapies, chiropractic versus osteopathy, physiotherapy. Why are there so many different options and what are the differences between those options? And a good place to start, I guess, is with the history, Jacob, of chiropractic and osteopathy, because we know that both of those therapies originated in North America and it was about 10 or 15 years between them in terms of their evolution in terms of their their kind of foundation or founding should I say which seems somewhat coincidental to me what do you think on that yeah uh, definitely coincidental um, we as chiropractors think that it started with us and you know the same with the osteopaths they think it started with them uh, but a lot of similarities between the two groups uh, the sure. fact that they originated from the same part of the world uh, in the same time and uh, there's a lot of uh, uh, similar ways of looking at the body between the two groups of uh, professions but i think the main difference is is the fact that traditionally we as chiropractors would have looked at the nervous system together with the spine yeah. and the osteopathic group focused on blood flow rather than the uh, nervous system. Yeah, and I think that's the key, the, the, the key similarity is the, the kind of viewpoint that the misalignments of the spine and the vertebra is impacting those different two systems, whether it be the nerve flow or whether it be the blood flow. And it seems that if you look at the history and you look at the uh, evidence Osteopathy seemed to originate first, and that was actually by a medical doctor, Dr. Andrew Still, who had three children, in fact, die through meningitis, which is a hugely sad um, story there behind the kind of beginnings of osteopathy. But he felt that traditional medicine obviously didn't work because if he had three children that died, and he could do nothing to intervene and help to save those children, something wasn't right. And that's where he started to look into 
this concept that the spine and misalignments of the spine could could impact or uh, influence n uh, blood flow and actually if blood flow was restricted that was the cause of disease and then chiropractic seemed to evolve maybe 10 or 15 years later although it's it's never I suppose accurate but the principle is the same that misalignments of the spine cause disease but it's through the impact and the influence on nerve flow so it's definitely a bit of a coincidence when I think the distance between the two locations in terms of where these two um, industries, should we say, or um, practices developed was about 180 miles or something. And when you look at the size of North America, that's pretty vast. So definitely a coincidence in my view. And definitely, I think, a position and a way of thinking that is that has changed now. I think there's very few osteopaths or very few chiropractors that would believe that it is misalignments of the spine cause disease or are there still practitioners out there that you see that you know that that believe and think in that way? I think there's a there's a there's a there's quite a big group of chiropractors um, and I can't speak for the osteopathic sure. division. But amongst the chiropractic or chiropractors out there, there's definitely still quite a big group who believes that the the body and the function and health and disease is determined by misalignment of the spine. So, but that you know, you know, and I have to say that that probably lies more with the older chiropractors and. And I think that as our profession developed and also our educational uh, syllabus has been has been modified in the last maybe 10, 20 years, uh, it's always there's always become more evidence-based uh, sure. the last years, but also but but especially the last few years, I think there's there's been a shift towards understanding and following more a biomechanical. Mm. Uh, approach and also because we know that from the evidence there's actually no evidence really pointing towards a bone out of place or misalignment of the spine causing pressure on the nerve so I think there is a big group substantial and uh, but I also know that there's a, a rising group who really appreciates the research in terms of the biomechanical approach and do you think that did you think that's 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 true or do you think that's because that's your interest in terms of the rise because I think there's still like you say there's definitely still a lot of practitioners that kind of take the what we kind of I guess call the wellness approach and for me there's a wellness approach which is kind of adjust in the spine regularly and uh, trying to influence these misalignments or whatever that 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 kind of view is there's also the kind of maintenance you know there's definitely patients that have had back pain for a long long time and because of postural changes etc etc we're, we're never going to get them 100% better with any approach and therefore a certain amount of maintenance treatment is is not necessarily a bad thing but yeah but there's, there's there's maintenance and there's maintenance sure absolutely and and I guess 
do you think that there's a lot of do you think there's a lot of practitioners that truly believe in it or do you think there's a lot of practitioners just see it in terms of the revenue stream and their way to survive is to continually treat the same patients I think maybe I'm a little bit biased because I follow this uh, biomechanical approach and for me that's a big answer I think it's very difficult for any practitioner to say that what they do is the, the complete answer, but it's a big answer, you know, you can see when it works, you can see when it doesn't work. You have the ability to diagnose and accordingly treat and correct dysfunctions and restore health in that way. And so, yeah, my bias is definitely towards that side, yeah. but there, yeah. That's a good question. There probably is still a quite a big group who, and bigger group who follows the, the spine out of alignment, spine out of alignment approach, thinking that um, that you know that the, the adjustment is going to cure the problem. Sure, and I don't um, think I, I suppose the, the, a big question there is in terms of you know we we very much favor the the research and the biomechanical approach and the active based approach it just makes sense particularly i think and i feel for lower back and pain for sure and i guess you know those kind of the traditional view or the origins of chiropractic or osteopathy in terms of the adjustments does that have any benefit do you feel in treating these patients or should we never adjust and we should just be focused on exercise yeah I definitely think the adjustment has a place and that could be lower back, upper back, neck, um, knee. I, I treat a lot of people with a knee and after I adjust the knee, the knee's actually a lot more stable together with a little bit of uh, pressure on the popliteus muscle. So um, I think they both have a place, but I think to I think the ultimate goal is to restore movement and we use movement to restore movement and to maintain proper movement and function because we ultimately stimulate the brain which understands and executes the movement. Sure. We do all of that through movements but the, the well, what happens and I think that's where I think a lot of uh, people don't really understand why chiropractors believe so much in the adjustment. I think a big problem is the fact that we're in this modern modern world where we we do a lot of stuff that we wouldn't have necessarily done mm -hmm. you know and uh, i'm not saying that back in the day we were we were better off physically uh but maybe in a, in a more ideal situation the body is meant to make more low level uh healthy movement that would maintain joints in a different way than this opposed to the sedentary lifestyle that we lead at the moment which then leads to this cascade of inflammation scar tissue stiffness at a joint that continues for 10 years in your office job and ending up in a, in a very non-mobile low back where the brain has lost the capability of actually controlling the movement mm -hmm. and so now we have a you know we have a hardened joint complex down there in the low back and we also have cramped up muscles and so then i think the adjustment's actually a, a great thing to get that just going you know yeah and i and i suppose the 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 kind of take home message there is absolutely it plays a role 
and it, and it might be that that adjustment plays a role in a low back um, pain sufferer, but that role is actually very much focusing on the thoracics where there's stiffness in the middle of the back that is that is causing your lower back maybe to work that little bit more, and therefore that's where your your injuries come from because of you know another area of the spine being being a little less mobile, shall we say? Um, and I suppose a, a great question there then is you know if we're saying that yes adjustments work but actually only ever in conjunction with a movement-based approach is it fair to say therefore that if you were giving anybody advice let's say a family member a friend that that wasn't close to you and therefore couldn't be treated by you is it more about choose the practitioner rather than choose the the kind of therapy you know osteopathy versus chiropractic actually no choose the therapist that is going to introduce you to a movement-based approach i think myself and, and yourself we're, we're not married to a profession sure am i correct so yeah you know we're married to i like to think that we we do the thing that's necessary to get that individual better so it will be a it would be an individual approach to the person, never, nevertheless, of their or your profession. So if I know of a very good physio or I know of a very good osteopath who has, to, to my standards, a good functional approach and the ability, first of all, to make a, a proper diagnosis, to understand the problem and therefore understand what's needed to correct that, then, uh, you know, it doesn't matter. Sure. And you mentioned their physiotherapist. You know, a lot of people that would listen in and thinking, well, okay, movement. Then if I'm going to be movement based, then surely, surely that's what the physio does. That seems to be the perception that that's very much focused more around the movement, the exercise, compared to your chiropractic, your osteopathy. No, no, I see where you're going there, Ben. No, that's the. You know, I, I think it, it differs first of all from physiotherapist to physiotherapist, but it definitely differs between countries as well, because I, I'm, I'm very well aware of the approach followed in the Netherlands, here where I uh, practice, and it's a, you know, it's, it's, a, it's not a functional approach. In general, and most of the time, there'll be a couple of exercises given, and it would be, you know, more of an excuse for an exercise. It would be lying on your back, rope throw both knees to the one side then to the other side on the bed, you know, to loosen up your back or pull your knees to your chest. I mean, there's, you know, no, th no, no thought behind any of those sort of movements given to patients and otherwise mainly a manual approach. So just massaging, maybe trigger points. I've, I've heard the weirdest things patients tell me when they've been to a practitioner with, or a therapist with such an approach, you know, this muscle is too short and therefore that muscle is yeah. too long. And I'm like, you know, I mean, how do you quantify that? How do you measure that? Yeah, Just yeah. really blowing hot air. Yeah, there seems to be a lot of that. Oh, there's a muscle imbalance or, oh, I've, I've got tight hamstrings and therefore, yeah, you know, that's my problem. Well, now that's just, that's just something unique to you compared to your friend down the road or your, you know, um, your colleague at work, um, but I think it's interesting you mentioned about the the stretching. That seems to be a common thing 
that a lot of patients will communicate that is whether it's a medical doctor whether it's a physiotherapist even chiropractic osteopathy there seems to be a lot of a focus on this stretching of the low back when people often feel that 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 relief and therefore they think it's doing them them doing them good it's a benefit but yeah you know a lot of the evidence is saying well actually you know we want to we just want to keep that spine in neutral yeah or, or the idea of going straight, going, you know, starting yoga because of my low back, or I've yeah. done yoga, I got an injury, and my injury is half, halfway better, but really actually still a problem. And I just, you know, I, I want to do yoga again. And I've had, I'm still stopping so many people just doing that, or you know, I do my best to explain why not why it's not a good idea and how we're actually interfering with the healing process. Yeah. So it's, it's, that's really a problem. It, it really keeps people quite often far away from actually healing. Sure. Yeah. I th- and I th- and what do you, what's your view on the Pilates element? Because yoga seems to be very much more about that flexibility and that movement. And you often see those movements of, and I'm not saying that, that yoga in many ways can't be a, a, a benefit, but in terms of the stretching through the lower back, you often see those kind of movements. Pilates, Pilates seems to be more focused on the core, but then there again, it seems to it see it do, there doesn't seem to be a generic approach. Not that there should ever ever be a generic approach, but there seems to be a mix and a hybrid of stretching and core strength with with Pilates. Yeah. So. Again, it's it's maybe a little bit confusing and and therefore not necessarily helpful for for back pain sufferers. Well, just getting back to the yoga, there's different styles of yoga. I'm not a yoga expert. I have a good friend of mine's yoga teacher for quite a while now, and she's uh, she's giving lessons at our CrossFit gym, and she's very familiar with different styles. We've done many courses and retreats and so on, and. You know, I think it's called vinyasa. It's a very extreme form of yoga, which means you really look up end ranges of, you know, end range of motions, and you're holding it. Yeah. So, you know, then there's lighter forms of yoga, and that would be maybe more suited. I mean, just for most people in general. And comparing that to Pilates, yes, Pilates definitely have a lot, a lot more core work on hands and feet and you know uh, but I, I I'm but for the rest I'm I'm not really like I say I'm in, I'm based in the Netherlands and people here seem to be yoga fanatics and not do any Pilates as far as I know wow okay interesting yeah there seems to be a lot of well there seems to be a lot of both over here in the UK um, but again okay. there doesn't seem to be there doesn't seem to be true consistency between the two but that's for sure i wouldn't uh, you know i wouldn't go to a yoga teacher and, and truly uh, know what i was going to get um, you know in contrast no. to, to pilates you know but you never know what you're going to get in contrast to another yoga teacher so, sure sure you know that's the thing and uh, people don't know that and sometimes also the stories i hear from patients you know, this yoga teacher was pushing me or pulling my leg you know it was all, all all in the favor of getting more stretched through the, the tendons and the ligaments and stuff like that so sure yeah yeah uh, and people don't know that and I think it's 
the responsibility lies with the teacher. Yeah, and I, I suppose the take-home message for people listening is, you know, first and foremost, you know, as always, you need to be comfortable that you're getting an accurate diagnosis. You know, that is the one difference I would suggest with osteopathy and, and chiropractic compared to physiotherapist and and no doubt that's doing a disservice to some physiotherapists out there, but certainly they seem to work more commonly um, in terms of a diagnosis given from a GP, potentially, um, whereas osteopathy and chiropractic should be more first line in terms of that, that diagnosis and that um, initial examination. We would always say, you know, you should be looking getting a very thorough examination if it's anything less than two hours start to question the practitioner that's that's take-home advice number one you yeah. want to be sure that someone is truly analyzing not just a, a very thorough um, history taking and questioning of of what you're you're doing on a daily basis the activities you're doing on a daily basis that cause that pain they, you should be you know, very much scrutinised in terms of that, that activity and that movement on a daily basis because I think that's hugely important in terms of us identifying what could be the pain triggers and what could be causing the problem or certainly um, preventing that issue from healing. I think that's, yeah. that's take-home number one. The second thing is you should be expecting a movement-based approach because the, the evidence is telling us that without focusing on those movement patterns without focusing on um, the core strength you are going to be very very lucky to get better from certainly from a chronic low back issue if you're not getting that advice alongside any passive treatment or therapy yeah can I add a point there sure uh, you know and for those listening if you do yoga and you do a yoga routine every morning and it doesn't feel good especially with bending forward and hanging down and making movements through the low back if it doesn't feel good it probably isn't good mm -hmm. so you know either scale it down less intense less less time doing yoga and it might be better doing it in the evening because then your discs are uh, has less moisture in it and there's less uh, less pressure so yeah, consider yeah. trying it after work or in the evening instead of or if you start late morning then you might do it after you've been up for a couple of hours but do not do it first thing first thing in the morning if you have discomfort yeah sure we always talk about how the the spine is more vulnerable first thing in the morning and, and certainly looking to maintain that that neutral spine for the first half hour of the day so like you say if you're if you're you know doing any yoga pilates exercises within that first half hour then definitely be be careful but but even after that you know, any movements that you're doing that that don't feel right or are causing discomfort then you know really consider avoiding them and, and also avoid stretching exercises through the low back because they're exercises that sometimes can feel a little bit more comfortable or they give you a bit of relief but actually as we've discussed before they kind of activate a stretch reflex that that gives you initial relief but it's it's aggravating the problem ultimately and therefore you know definitely definitely movements to avoid for sure and 
another question, just going back to the kind of adjustment conversation, Jake. What what can patients expect? Those that have never experienced an adjustment. What is what is an adjustment? What should it be doing? What what is the um, what is the expected or perceived outcome of therapeutic outcome of an adjustment? So the the adjustment is aimed at moving two bones uh, in relation in relation in relation to each other. The the two elements that we can consider when we do that is first of all if there has been a period where these two bones have not been moving in their optimal range of motion in relation to each other, you will start getting uh, scar tissue forming. Let's use the low back, for example, sitting in an office every day, a lot, not really moving through your back other than getting up from a chair and moving somewhere, but you're not doing a sort of uh, any sport where you get the proper movement through the low back. So you get that scar tissue forming, you know, after a few weeks, after a few months, it will just build up, it'll get stiffer. So the first element to the adjustments actually where we we literally break those scar tissue fibers and restore movement between those two bones. Now that sounds very violent, but in fact, actually it's, it's a very short, high amplitude, fast movement, which should in reality not be painful at all. And just from that short movement, we create the necessary movement, maybe sometimes in multiple adjustments, not, not just in one go. And so when we restore that movement, the brain can pick up that there's movement again and utilize that movement, which otherwise wasn't possible. And the second element is where we stimulate nerve endings at the joint. These nerve endings are in the joint capsule or in other uh, uh, tendons, ligaments around the joint that then sends information to the brain and so we light up that joint in the brain so the brain then uh, understands that this joint is now active we've stimulated those nerve endings and so it can be uh, it can connect more with this joint in terms of uh, directing muscle function to stabilize great Close description yeah excellent excellent so and, and yeah like we say i think it, very therapeutic, definitely um, beneficial in terms of the overall uh, approach to treatment and management of, of back pain. But in isolation, question, you know, question that, that approach. If that is all you're receiving, then definitely challenge, challenge that practitioner. I think it's, you know, that's the, the, the kind of take-home message there. You always want to be uh, being given some exercises to do at home and some movement-based advice because without that then you know it is definitely going to be a struggle and it's something that you know even if you get a bit of relief the uh, the common message is yeah it feels a bit better after treatment but it's still uncomfortable or it's it's not fully better and that's when you start to see people that have seen multiple different practitioners and they might have seen an osteopath they might have seen a physio they might have seen a chiropractor they felt a bit of relief from all but actually the problem still remains and unless you're changing as we've said before things on a daily basis then you know you, you're you're undoubtedly going to struggle on and and become very frustrated and disillusioned by um by the problem so i think there there's there's two key kind of take-home messages there uh, today don't don't overly think the 
the the profession or the therapy that you're receiving it's very much about the the individual and if they're giving you that movement based approach then fantastic and you know the, from a, an adjustment point of view definite benefits there but it's got to be in conjunction with that that movement based approach because otherwise like we say and we continue to say and we kind of labor the point but you will struggle with um with complete resolution and and kind of management of that pain which is yeah. clearly a frustration and and once that's healed a long-term a long-term resolution exactly and that's where the kind of endurance comes in and the the awareness and building those movements into the subconscious mind i guess you know initially it takes effort there's no doubt you know it does take effort and that's where we've got to break away from this uh, kind of approach that you know i get unwell and therefore i take a tablet or i get some form of intervention that makes me better again you know back pain can't be there's no magic pill for back pain there's no yeah. uh, see a practitioner get an adjustment walk out and now i'm fine again it, it, you know really think about that that you know thinking if you've had a back if you've been suffering from back pain for six months are you honestly going in getting an adjustment or two walking out of there and never suffering again you know what has caused that problem have you ever discussed that with your practitioner because it's often more than 90 percent of cases are i didn't do anything specific or that one thing specific that you think you did was the culmination of of months years of um, of poor movement and so you know really think about that and think about how you want to manage your spine health in the longer term you only get one back so look after it so yeah i agree with you ben we only have one back and it's not like we can replace a knee anytime and we have really got a lot of difficulty when it comes to uh, strategies in terms of surgery at the back we rather avoid any of those procedures so i think it's a question of taking responsibility and I think that's the, the best approach instead of actually handing the responsibility over to somebody else. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And to, you know, at least try, you know, before you, know, you seek those, certainly those interventions that, you know, when we, when we start to get down the path of, of surgery, that's, that's a one way yeah. path, you know, not only surgery, but also the path of, look, here's my problem. You do something with it. I yeah. think as uh, practitioners, what we like to do is we'd like to guide people in taking responsibility, understanding what's going on with them and helping them to get better through what they're doing. So they get empowered to know that actually this is in, in my hands. You know, they have to yeah. have the feeling that it's in their hands and they can do something with it. Yeah, I think that's that's where the true power lies. Yeah. Yeah, the true power lies in the the responsibility and the the ownership of the problem, and then yeah. getting the getting the empowerment and the education you need to be able to make that transformation. Because we always say back pain always has a cause, and with the right management and the right approach, you know you can definitely resolve that problem. Certainly, significantly improve the suffering that you're experiencing, but it it takes uh, effort on your part. You know we've said it before. Uh, we say it again now mm. 
certainly go out and get that advice and get that support don't overly think the person that you're seeing or, or don't overly think the profession you're seeing think about the person think about a movement-based approach but make sure that that you take action yourself daily to to help the problem and if you do that there's no reason why you can't overcome that pain so as always thanks again jacob and as we say the next episode in the series of episodes are going to be focusing a little bit more on uh, other topics around management of back pain particularly later down the line around surgery and a little bit more on the evidence and and information regarding that so listening to to the next couple of episodes in the series and as always give us a rating on itunes it always helps with us to get the message out there and we'll be continually putting podcasts out at the moment on a weekly basis and endeavoring to improve and inform as we go with the aim to help you with your transformation. So we'll speak again soon.